I've come to learn that you don't want to call something supernatural, right? Because the word supernatural draws boundaries around the ways nature can be. And on river trips, especially river trips with deep, rich community, poems, songs, magic can happen. And I've seen it. So I want to tell you a story about that. Welcome to the end of the road, a podcast brought to you by the Wrangell Mountain Center and by our supporters in Alaska and around the globe. We thank you. I'm Michelle McAfee. And I'm John Erdman, Executive Director of the Wrangell Mountain Center. We are a nonprofit organization dedicated to connecting people with wild lands through art, science, and education in Alaska. This podcast series features hand-picked stories from the 2022 Storytelling Festival in Kennecott, McCarthy. The Wrangell Mountain Center hosted three days of grassroots storytelling last summer, featuring local and visiting storytellers. In this series, we explore some of the magic of that in-person event. The Storytelling Festival was definitely magical. This year, we took storytelling to McCarthy's west side to the Glacier View Campground, thanks to our partners, Gina and Nick Merlino, and the McCarthy River Tours. We will hear more of those stories in this, our third podcast season. But the two stories in this episode were taken from the second night of the festival at the old hardware store. For those of you who have yet to visit the Wrangell Mountain Center, the old hardware store is a charming 100-year-old building that is the main hub of our campus in downtown historic McCarthy. There is something about the old hardware store that brings out our best. I remember sitting in front of the wood stove in the great room of the old hardware store one evening after a songwriting workshop with a few of us gathered around, and the stories poured out, and it made me wonder if those walls could talk what stories they might tell. The old hardware store is definitely a special place for stories. Those in the audience at the storytelling festival that night gave their complete and undivided attention. And this brought out the best of our storytellers. And each good story seemed to inspire the next. The storytellers seemed to feed off each other, generating momentum that upped the level of storytelling all night long. One of the storytellers who was in the zone that night was Bill Mann, who brought the house down and had us in stitches with his animated rendition about a Copper River fishing trip with his brother-in-law, our very own Howard Mosen. Here is Bill's story, as told on a rainy August night at the old hardware store, where it was standing room only. Yes, that's my daughter. She is single. And I'm hoping for some grandchildren, so let's go. <laughs> I'm also glad Howard went first, because this will give some credence to my story. When Lena was 11 was the first time we came out here to stay with Howard and Elizabeth. Uh, and it was just like it was last week, cold and rainy. And all we did the whole time was make fires, eat rice and beans, make fires, try, try to keep warm. And it was like the hypothermia hunger tour of <laughs> 2005. And we're here for 10 days. And Howard, like the sixth day, says, hey, tomorrow I'm going to go fishing at Chitna. Do you want to go? And I say, I'd rather die. 
I hate fishing. And he says, good, because you won't get to fish anyway, because you don't have a permit. I said, perfect. He says, but I'll get you a cup of coffee on the way out. And on the way back from Chitna, we'll stop in Chitna, we'll get a greasy cheeseburger. And I said, let's go now. <clears throat> and he said, no, no, we got to pack, and then we'll go tomorrow. I said, okay, fine. So we get the truck packed, we put in the snacks and the sandwiches and the rain gear and the fishing gear. This is going to be great. Zero Dark Thirty comes, and he wakes up, and he's like, let's get going. So we get in the truck, and we drive down to the west side. He says, I got to go to the Subaru. I got to pick up the fishing permit. Great, no problem. We get go to the Subaru, get the fishing permit, and he says, hey, this Subaru is super comfortable. It's got heat, truck doesn't. It's got a radio that works, the truck doesn't. Why don't we take the Subaru? I said, perfect, let's go. I'm thirsty, let's get the coffee. <laughs> so we drive down the road and the coffee place was on the left, somewhere out of town, we're driving up and I can see the big sign that says, open and we drive up and the open sign is off and it is closed and I'm crying there's no coffee and he says man do you mind I'm tired would you mind driving to Chitna and I said okay I guess so we switch I start driving he goes to sleep we're driving for about an hour and I'm going this is great I got heat I got radio and I thought I have everything I need except the rain gear the fishing gear, and the food, which we left in the truck, which is in McCarthy. I said, Howard, Howard, we forgot all the stuff. We got to go back to get it. He says, we're not stopping. We're going fishing. He says, I've got fishing gear stashed in the woods in Chitna. We're going to be fine. I said, I said, do you have rain gear and food? He says, don't worry about it. I'll get you a cheeseburger when we're done. It is pouring rain. So we drive on. He goes back to sleep. One minute before the Chitna parking lot, he wakes up. He's like, okay, it's time to go fishing. He says, I'm going to go in the woods and get the gear. You park the car. Meet me over there at the, at the trailhead. I'm like, okay, whatever's right. Park the car. He runs off. So I get out of the car, run to the trailhead. He says, he's got two buckets. He's got a two by four for a bonker, and he's got a net. He says, stick close to me. It's a mile down this trail to this spot. I said, great, no problem. So we start running. Howard is a marathon runner. <laughs> I eat greasy cheeseburgers for a living. <laughs> so I'm running, running, running. And he's like, I'm Elmer Fudd, and he is Bugs Bunny. A mile down the trail, he's standing like this with a carrot in his hand. He's like, you gotta hurry up. We gotta get to the spot before the nanny does. I said, the nanny? Where's the nanny? So <clears throat> says, she's gonna get to the spot. She's gonna get all the fish. I said, no problem. He says, keep up. So we start running. Now we've already run a mile. It's a mile trail. He says, keep up, start running. I go down and over show, he says, watch out for bears. <laughs> bears. Now I gotta worry about bears. So I'm running, running, running. Two more miles down the one-mile trail. He finally stops. <laughs> he runs into the, off the trail, down to Stephen Bankman. I'm like, oh God. Runs down, it, it is like this. So I'm like, okay, down this thing. There's a piece of rock about as big as a pickup truck. And I said, this is the spot. He says, that's not the spot. That's the spot. It's a piece of rock about as big as first base. He says, look, I'm going to catch a fish. I'm going to throw them to you. You're going to hit them. Got them. Throw the guts in the water, throw them in the bucket. I said, great, no problem. <clears throat> Never done this before. <laughs> so he gets the fish, or he gets the, the net, he goes out there and he's fishing, fishing. He says, time me. He says, three minutes, I'll have the first fish. I'm like, yeah, all right, whatever. 
So I sit down. Boom. Minute 37 seconds. First fish comes out. It's a whale. Throws it up. It's flapping around. I'm trying to grab it. I grab the fish. I take the bunker. I'm like, dink, 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 dink. <laughs> and he looks back and he says, what are you trying to do? Make them mad? That's not how you bonk a fish. He comes up and bam, lays the fish out cold. Takes his knife. It's like Jack the Ripper. Wham. <laughs> Takes the guts out. Throws them into the water. There are 175 seagulls right above us on a... Bam! Into the water. He goes back. He's fishing, 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 fishing. He says, we got to hurry up. The nanny's coming. I'm like, right, right. She's going to find the trail and the spot? Sure. So we're fishing. He's pulling them out every 30 seconds, every minute. Boom, boom, boom. I'm thinking, fine, fine, bonk, bonk, bonk. Think, trip, bit, throw. <laughs> the seagulls are getting pissed off. They're like, we want the fish. They're starting to throw rocks. Not little tiny rocks. Big rocks. Big rocks. And I'm like, dodging the rocks. <laughs> Hour and a half later, the buckets are getting full. I said, Howard, who's going to carry these fish out? He says, you are. <laughs> I was, okay, fine. He's pulling them out. Nine o'clock, on the dot. Nanny shows up. She walks in like Fran Drescher. She's got her boyfriend on one arm. She's got her sister with her. She's got a cup of coffee. She's like, ooh, first day at work. She gets her net 18 inches from where Howard's standing. She starts to fish. Howard's boom, boom, boom. She cannot catch a fish. Nothing. 18 inches upstream. She's getting so mad. I said, Howard, we got a lot of fish here. He says, oh, a few more, a few more. Keeps ripping them out, ripping them out. I said, he says, how many we got? You think we got enough? I said, we got plenty. He says, ah, a couple more, a couple more, a couple more. <clears throat> Nanny's getting really mad. She's doing the bump and grind. She's doing all kinds of fish moves. She's rage fishing. <clears throat> Finally, he says, yeah, I think we got enough fish. And he just lets it hang. And she's getting so mad. And then like Neil Armstrong, he takes one giant leap off the rock and the nanny hits it like that and she puts her net in the water and 30 seconds later she's pulling the fish out and i said can we go now i'm hungry he says yeah i guess we can go so we hump these fish up back to the subaru we get in there start it up oh it's a little warm it's toasty and we're driving up i can't wait to get my cheeseburger and we drive up to the airstream trailer that used to be where the cheeseburgers were and guess what? It's closed! And it tears rolling down my face. And I said, Howard, it's no cheeseburger. He says, it's hungry country, man. And I'm tired. He says, would you mind driving home? I said, all right, I guess I could drive home. So I get in the passenger seat, start the car, start driving. He reaches in the back seat, gets a nine-and-a-half-year-old bag, half a bag of Doritos, not the good time, cool ranch. <laughs> Drops them in my lap, and we start back to home. And that is the best day I ever spent not fishing. <laughs> Rivers are unpredictable, always changing, and create a world of their own. Whether fishing, riding the river in a raft, or sitting on the shore, the swoosh of pulsing steady currents 
doesn't obey human timelines or constraints. And you've had a few experiences on the Copper River, Michelle. Is that correct? As part of the Wrangell Mountain Center's River Song program? Oh, yes. Those are some of the most unforgettable experiences I've had in the Wrangells. It was the unpredictable nature of going with the flow, staying in the present, and connecting with river mates that jettisoned me into what felt like another realm. River Song was Nancy Cook's vision, and being on the river with her was fun, creative, and completely heart-opening. And Nancy is our next story. She captivated the old hardware store audience with her distinctive Nancy Cook style, but was not participating as part of the competition because her story was too long. It went over. It went over time. At a certain point, midway through her story, however, Nancy announced to the audience that she no longer cared about time, that the story was more important than the clock, and she would tell it, time limit be hanged. This announcement was greeting with a burst of spontaneous applause from the old hardware store crowd. Here's Nancy with her story. I am going to tell a river trip story related to this notion of buoyancy, right? And the power of the human word, which I believe in deeply. And I guess that's one of the things about tall tales. I always love the tall tales that are really close to the truth. But I also really like thinking about what is truth as opposed to magic, as opposed to the supernatural. And um, on river trips, sometimes with Howard, sometimes without, I've come to learn that you don't want to call something supernatural, right? Because the word supernatural draws boundaries around the ways nature can be. And on river trips, especially river trips with deep, rich community, poems, songs, magic can happen. And I've seen it. So I want to tell you a story about that. My first ever trip when I took instruments down the river was with a guy named David Grimes, Captain Grimes, we called him, minstrel, shaman, wonderful feller. Mark Vale, who has got an effigy over there, was on that trip, Rick Petter, and we called ourselves the Copper River Stories Expedition. We had some major artists and writers, Sherry Simpson, Frank Sos, Kess Woodard, who you can actually see in the airport and in the museum. We start at uh, the Chitna Airport, and we're going to Cordova for the first time. And uh, I've met David, and I know he's kind of oovy-groovy magic. I'm intrigued, but I don't really know what he's about yet. And I'm kind of the trip organizer, but he's the guide. He planned the menu, right? So we get in the boats. We have this chaos. Grandma remembers my dog runs off, and we think she's going to go to Cordova swimming, but we get in, we make it through Woods Canyon, we stop at Uranatina, and the first meal is burritos. Good first meal. It was quick. But through the process of helping make the burritos, I'm kind of digging through the coolers, and I'm realizing there's really not a hell of a lot of food on this trip. There's like a lot of limes and mangoes and herbs and cilantro and shit, and I was like... What are we going to have for supper? Which is actually one of David Grimes' great songs. I wonder what we're going to have for supper. <laughs> so by the next night, when we're at Dewey Creek, people are starting to ask me this. So we leave Uranatina. We're down to Dewey Creek. We're getting into the thick of it. We land at about 2 p.m. And 
David is not the kind of guy you're going to ask what's for dinner. You know, he's like, shaman dude. And uh, so they're asking me, what are we having for dinner? And I'm like, I don't know. And there's really not much in the cooler. So I kind of like sidle up to David and I'm like, what are we going to have for supper? And he's like, oh, this is one of my favorite salmon spots. And he is actually an adopted EAC uh, person, allegedly. So he has a subsistence drift net and we put it in there at Dewey Creek and he hangs it and I helped him. I'm like, cool, we're going to have sockeye. Yay. Um, I love sockeye. And so we wait a little while, two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock, supper. People are asking me, what do you think we're going to have for supper? And I think we're going to have salmon. But in my experience, as anybody's experience, you know, if the salmon ain't running, the salmon ain't running. Right. And I just been there when the salmon weren't running. And so we're, we're waiting on this drift net and there's nothing in this little piece of drift net and it's going on five o'clock and I'm, you know, you try not to worry because this, this story is really about human intention and worry is not good, right? Worry is a negative thought, which is the beginning of negative karma. So I check in with David and he's like, are you worried there's no salmon? He's not worried. But he does mention <laughs> that there used to be a shrine here at Dewey Creek. For many years, there was a shrine to Willitney, who is the Eak salmon goddess. And he just kind of mentions in passing that there's no shrine, but I can kind of tell that he wants me to deal with that, which I can do because I believe in magic. So I got all these amazing artists and we rebuild. Well, it wasn't, there was nothing to rebuild. We started from scratch and made our own shrine to Willitney. And she was gorgeous, a little bit sexy. She had like fireweed pasties. And, you know, we have everybody participated. We like went over to this woman, Brenda Roper. I don't touch the audience because I could get in trouble but we had like human sacrifices of human hair and she was beautiful and every single person on this 16 person trip helped with the shrine to Whitney which we then anointed like sharing some of our wine and whiskey and chocolate and you know we had this whole ceremony to Whitney and sure enough right after that it could have been coincidence but right after we anointed Whitney there are five salmon in that drift net, which made me so happy. And we, we, we cooked them all up over bonfire coals. And I have actually never eaten that much salmon at one time. So within 24 hours, I'm going over, I'm DQing, sorry. This is about education. So within 24 hours, uh, Within 24 hours, like, we literally ate five sockeye between 15 people, which was a third of a sockeye each, and we were on a sockeye high. Has anybody ever been on a major sockeye high? We also had a down day. Layover days are important if you're going to make magic on the river. So we had a layover day at Dewey Creek, at which point I got to see my thesis director naked in a silt pond, and we all made art. And of course, quite naturally, it becomes a joke that well, let's build a shrine to the Cadbury goddess, or let's build a shrine to the Pinot Grigio goddess. And we just start like kind of talking about all these shrines we're going to build because she brought us fish, and it's kind of a joke. But the one guy on that trip who was not a joker was Kess Woodard. Amazing painter, looked for his shit in the airport. 10000 would be a good deal on one of his paintings. And the thing about Kess Woodard is he almost thought he was wasting time on this trip, right? Because he could have been painting. And he would be up with his dry bag packed like at 7.30 a.m. You would have loved him, Howard. He was ready to roll. And then he would look bored like, what the hell are we doing 
you know, packing these boats. Okay. So Kes Woodard there next day after our down day, magic's been made. We're all on a sockeye high. He's got his bag there and I'm trying to keep him happy because I'm the trip organizer and I'm talking to Kes and I'm like, so you think anybody brings potato chips on river trips anymore? Which they do, but at the time I didn't know that. And I was, and he's like, oh, that would be good because it was really hot. And I was like, I said directly to Kess, and he heard me. I said, if I were going to ask Will Litney for something, it would be potato chips, preferably Pringles. And I said that aloud at the voice of Dewey Creek. And then we get in the boat finally, and we're floating down. We get a little rain, and we're floating down the river. Buoyancy is important, right? We're floating down the river. Through the mist, four boats total. I remember I was in the third boat, and I remember Rick Petter was in the fourth boat. And as you're going down through the mist, you can kind of see when things are coming. And, and so the first boat is like making this hoopla, like, go there, point positive, go over there. Second boat, none of us can get over there, right? But as you get to the end of it, you can see that there's this big old red blob, like a time capsule or something on the end of this river bar in the middle of the ginormous copper. And uh, finally, Rick Petter, who's an amazing dude, framed my windows, he's built a lot of beautiful homes. He watches everybody and busts a move and he pulls out on this river bar and we all watch him. I mean, this was community magic. The things you can do with your words in a community versus what you can do on your own are different. So we're all over on River Left, and we all watch Rick go grab this red blob. And to his credit, he just put it back in the spacecraft and brought it to River Left. And then we all gathered around in the fire reader and we opened up that dry bag, which said Ackerman on it in Sharpie. Ackerman, whoever that was. And sure enough, no kidding whatsoever, there were two cans of Pringles, two cans of Pringles, and a perfectly good chocolate bar in that dry bag, which had floated. And then just in case you don't believe me, we wrote a song about it years ago, and it's really short. I'm just giving you a little piece of it. it says, yeah, it's very short. So it goes like this. At night, we praise Will Litney, who put the salmon in our net. We asked for chips and chocolate, and by golly, she delivered it. <laughs> Floating down a river valley, you sometimes miss the way you meant to go. The river takes you where she wants. You can't fight against the flow, but this part's important. Floating down a river valley, current so wild it'll make you happy. Dip our paddles in the silty water, can't see around the bend. Every fire is a ceremony, every story is testimony if you pay attention you can know what the river knows i love that community magic the things you can do with your words in a community versus what you can do on your own join us for our next episode with Amy and Emma. They share two stories with life 
getting weird, where things are not as they seem. And for the setting of these stories that they tell, we leave the Copper River and travel to Florida, and then across the pond to Hungary. Because our stories in McCarthy in the summer come from all over the globe. I am in the I am in the drive-through window of this Popeyes chicken, hitting him with my best. Hey y'all, welcome to Popeyes, and um, living my best life in the very beginnings of this pandemic. So I'm taking an order. This woman rolls up in her truck. I'm like, ma'am, I'm sorry. This is this is a mobile-specific order. You've got to order on the app, or I there's really nothing I can do. And she says, well, I can't use the app. I said, well, um, I said, no, you just have to download it. She says, no, I can't use the app. I'm blind. I would like to remind you that I am <laughs> in a drive-through window <laughs> that she has pulled up to <laughs> in a vehicle <laughs> in the driver's seat and I said I'm sorry <laughs> You can go to www.wrangles.org, that's Wrangles with two L's, to listen to more episodes from our End of the Road podcast, or find us wherever you find your podcasts. At our website, you can also help support us financially. You can sign up for our monthly e-newsletter, and you can check out the programs that we operate here in McCarthy during the summer. And visit our Facebook and Instagram pages to stay up to date on WMC happenings and to get a flavor of the sights and sounds as the ever-changing seasons roll on in the Wrangles. I'm your host, John Erdman, episode writer, producer, and executive director of the Wrangle Mountain Center. And I'm your host, Michelle McAfee, episode writer and audio engineer. Thanks to our supporters far and wide. And thank you for joining us at the end of the road.